0: On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen now Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak with great to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, Those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. Happy to be here and sharing with you again from God's Word. Now, we don't shy away from big questions, do we? Or, or do we? Though the answers might take us a long time to get around to, to answering fully. But here's, here's a big question. What's the main point of it all? I mean, you know, what is it all about, really, when you get down to it? <coughs> Lots of answers to that, really. And uh, some people would say that the main thing is, is happiness. If, you, if, you, if you're happy, that is the main thing. And I think happiness is really, really important, and God actually does want us to find happiness. He does, really. I believe that. But happiness without any purpose or without thought of the cost or without thought of the consequences, actually, is disastrous. There are lots of things that we need, and God knows that we need them, and they're really important. But none of them is the main thing, the one thing that is more important than anything else And this morning we're going to look at a bunch of people who'd found the main thing. And everything else in their lives found its rightful place and got into the right balance because they knew what to put first. Shall we pray? Father, as we think about your word this morning, I pray that you would help us to hear what you are saying to each one of us. And that as we sit and stand before you now in this room you would help us to see our lives the people that we know the people that we love the people that we live next door to our parents our children the people that we work with to see them in the light of your purpose in the light of the gift of your son so that we will be able to put first things first to be your fruitful servants, in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Amen. I'm going to be saying quite a bit about, I'm going to be saying a few things at least, about proclaiming the name of Jesus. And a few of the things that we'll read about are are about speaking. Now, speaking is very important. Ever tried living without it? It's possible for a while for certain purposes, but it's a really important part of life. Speaking isn't the main thing. I want you to think whenever you hear that sort of speaking or proclaiming Christ, think about all the things that you and I do that express who Jesus really is. Or all the ways that could be expressing who Jesus really is. Actions, thoughts, reactions, as well as words that's what I'm getting to. There's a a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. I wasn't there at the time, so I'm not sure whether he really said it, but apparently he said to some of his followers when he sent them out, he didn't want his uh, his, um, uh, followers to be monks in a monastery. He wanted them to be out in the world where the people were. He said, go out and preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Just keep that at the back of your mind everything that you and i do or could do that could be expressing who jesus really is that's proclaiming the name of jesus christ been an interesting week for us at work so i'll just give you just just in case you're interested i'll fill you in on some of the latest things uh, we've we've uh, finished the as exam so our first year students who are sort of 17-ish now they're they're, they're back in college and we're teaching them new stuff and the older ones have, have their exams now, so we're all thinking about them and even praying for them. Uh, and with with uh, our groups in physics, we've been doing good old magnetism. There's nothing more fun than magnets, is there really? And we start off with a few exercises that are absolutely pure junior school, but it's wonderful because we want the, the, the students to just to keep that sense of, of fun and of amazement at the way the, the world is. But I have to say, I was a bit cross this week and a bit upset. Uh, it's not, not your problem, really, but I'll just, you know mention it. We, we have 20 bar magnets. Eight of them were virtually useless when we got the box. In, and I, I have no idea about this. And that doesn't happen unless somebody hasn't done what they were supposed to do. So I was a bit sad about that. Now, it's funny, you know, because they're using that, that hand generator because that's got a magnet in it, and I'll come to that later. So a little bit of science. You see... Magnets are really weird because they're they're usually made of iron or an iron alloy. They wouldn't work if they were made of wood. Did you know that? You don't get wooden magnets. You don't get plastic magnets and you don't get copper magnets either. That's because there's something special about each little atom of iron and a few other elements as well. Does anyone know what it is? It is a magnet. The little atoms are tiny magnets. Now they're, too, they're too weak to do anything that we can see but if you get millions of them together and you get them to point their magnetism all the same way then you get a magnet that is strong enough for us to notice what it's doing and you can even use it in a hand generator to generate power. But what happens is if the magnets are misused or they're not stored properly, there's a natural tendency for all those little atom magnets to just turn around a bit and tilt around and point in different directions. And so the 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 whole object just doesn't work anymore. And that's what had happened to eight of our magnets. There's another thought to keep in your mind. Is that anything to do with today's talk? We will find out. Well, it is. Because the people that we were reading about who prayed the prayer, that isn't me making that. That noise is it? Fine. Who prayed that prayer in Acts chapter four? You could think of them as being like little magnets. You could point in different directions. And on that day they all pointed the same way. And perhaps for days and months and years afterwards they all pointed the same way. And even if there were influences and bad things that happened, and even not so bad things that happened that distracted them in different ways and made them turn in different ways and made them less effective as a whole, on that occasion. They were all pointing the same way. What, what was it that was drawing them all the same way? What was the organizing principle that brought that unity? Well, I think we can see something if we look into the context of that passage. Remember that uh, Debbie read to us that Peter and John came back to the rest of the Christians to tell them how they'd been arrested and threatened by the Jewish authorities. What had they been arrested for? If you got your Bible with you, if, if not, just listen. I'll try and read four verse twenty. This is in in front of uh, a group of people who are threatening them. Peter and John say, "We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard." Now, for us, that's not just speaking; we can't help living it, but we can't help expressing what we've seen and heard. Well, what is that? Let's track back to verse eighteen. This is a response to what the Jewish leaders had just said to Peter and John. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Speak because you want people to know about it. Teach because you want them to understand it so they can do something with it for themselves. The name of Jesus. In fact, earlier on in verse 12, Peter had said this rather daring thing to the Jewish leaders salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. These guys thought the name of Jesus was something really, really special, something really powerful. And it's that passion for the name of Jesus that I believe was the little magnetism, the little magnetic field that each of them had that caused them to line up together there's no other name okay let's have a look at the prayer together and uh, it's, it's a prayer that i think is interesting for what it doesn't say as much as what it does say because it doesn't have any complaints in it and it doesn't say lord you know we p- please help us because we're fearful because we've been threatened or please you know, save us from being humiliated by being arrested again there's there's nothing like that at all, actually. That that sort of request, perfectly legitimate though it is and important in its own way, is not important enough to get into this prayer. So what is there then? Now is next is it is it next Sunday that's Trinity Sunday? Because it's it's usually round about my birthday, and that's just gone. It could be next Sunday. So we're just looking for a little bit of Trinity here in this uh, section. In, in the prayer, if we look at verses 24 onwards, because that's, that's, that's the prayer, isn't it, really? Oh, by, by the way, I should say, um, some people get a bit stuck because they, they take some of these accounts very, very literally. The disciples lifted up their voices together and said... That doesn't mean that they actually all suddenly pronounced all these words, this kind of longish, complicated prayer together with exactly the same words. But it does mean that this is kind of a a fair summary of what was said and prayed, and that everybody said something, and everybody agreed and joined in. However, here's what they said about, talked about. Firstly, it's a prayer to God, and they speak about what God has done, how he's created the, the world, how he's spoken through the prophet David, how he has a purpose... Uh, for, for the future, through his anointed Christ, the, the anointed one. And in verse 29, even the things that happened when Jesus came to Jerusalem and was arrested and crucified, the people were just doing what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. The whole history of the world is in the hands of God, and that's how they pray. They pray, Your purpose. Is in through above, underneath, and beyond everything. And that's the first part of their prayer. The purpose of God. And as as they pray through the purpose of God, at the very center of it is the person of Jesus Christ. Not the stars of the planets or the continents and the oceans that God created. Important though they are, they are not the main thing. Not even the peoples of the world, but the person of Jesus Christ. He's the mainspring of it all as far as these people are concerned. So there he is. Uh, Your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And then even earlier in verse 26, the Lord and his anointed one. God's purpose for the person of Jesus. And we also see there the involvement of of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the prayer? Now, I know the Holy Spirit appears at the end of the prayer, but he's actually mentioned in the prayer. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. David was counted not just as a poet in Israel, but as a prophet. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through him and speaks about the Lord God and his anointed one, Christ. The Holy Spirit was speaking about Jesus for hundreds of years before he came. It's no surprise that the Holy Spirit wants to speak about Jesus now, as well as then, because I believe that's his passion. The Holy Spirit has a passion to express who Jesus is. That's his role. And the disciples, as they pray, pray into that. They pray the purpose of God. They pray the person of Jesus and they pray in the passion of the Holy Spirit. And their own needs and concerns, their own individual circumstances, are not important enough even to get mentioned. So when they do pray for something, it's interesting what they pray for. It's in verse 29. Lord, consider their threats. Now, let's be honest. What would you pray then if you were being threatened if if a few of the folk from church here have been arrested and kept in prison overnight and told by the police and the you know the local authorities whoever they may be that they must not speak or teach at all about this jesus person ever again otherwise there'll be consequences and being arrested and put in prison overnight was mild compared to the consequences that would follow these guys were seriously threatened Now, what would you pray? Consider their threats and protect us. Consider their threats and keep us safe. Perfectly legitimate prayer. Deliver us from suffering and pain. Deliver us from false accusation and imprisonment. No. What they pray for is this. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Don't let us fade away. Don't let us be distracted. Don't let us be put off. Don't let us back off. Let us keep going. Empower us to keep going with your purpose to express who Jesus really is and why he is at the center of your purpose for the whole world and for every person. Enable us to speak your word with great boldness. And then verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs through the name of your holy servant Jesus. There's a great missionary of the 1800s, I believe, called Hudson Taylor. And one of the uh, sayings that this uh, uh, man had was, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Can you see that in the prayer? They're under threat. They're totally outnumbered by the force of the Uh, temple police and the society and the leadership around them and yet they want to continue proclaiming the name of Jesus. They're going to attempt something great for God in difficult circumstances believing that that's what God has called them to do and in verse 30 they're expecting God to do great things to match that. Extend your hand to heal and perform marvelous signs through the name of your holy servant Jesus and I believe God calls us to do that to attempt Great things for him. And things that may not seem very great to other people, but may be very great in our own lives. Changes, sometimes. and some, Sometimes small changes can be a very big step for me or for you. But let's attempt great things for God. And at the same time, expect him to be there already. Expect great things from God. Now, I was, I was just going to point out that when you do get a, a bunch of iron atoms together in a piece of iron, now the scientists have various tricks with this. If you, if you get a piece of pure iron, actually, it's very easy to make the atoms realign and become strongly magnetised. But a split second later, they've all drifted off. If, on the other hand, you make it into steel, it's really hard to make the atoms all align together. And uh, if you do manage to get them to, to align, it takes a lot of work, actually, but if you do, it's then more difficult to get them to drift off and you have a little permanent bar magnet like ours should have been. They do drift off in time, but if you look after them, they'll keep their magnetism for several years and be quite powerful. And the thing is, when they're in that state, they have the ability to transfer energy that is not their own. It was in Ben's hand, wasn't it? The energy that was lighting the lamp was coming from Ben's hand it came from outside the lamp and it's because of the magnet moving inside the coil that, that energy is converted into a form that can recharge a battery and when the atoms are all aligned together you get the possibility of a significant transfer of energy from outside and I believe that's what we see in our passage these people are praying with one voice because they have one heart and one purpose and that allows a tremendous resource of energy from outside the system to be converted into a form that can be used in the system well it's not Ben's hand that's turning the crank handle if you like it's the mighty hand of God that's going to crank things up into another gear and there's a significant release of power in the next few verses now, as we look at the next little bit um, just 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 have a think is this the kind of meeting you would like to be in okay well well by the way how are we doing so far is this the kind of meeting you would like to be in? is our right? okay so, so far verse 23 we can go with verse 23 uh, on their release peter and john went back to their own people everybody was together again. After being separated, everyone was was together again in one place. That's important. It's a statement that they've got something in common. And it's great to see people who've been away for whatever reason for however long. It's good to be together with the same purpose and the same intent. And they they were together in one place for the sake of Christ. And we see in the first part of verse 31, a pretty strange thing happened. There were sort of external signs, something unusual happened. In this case, the building shook. Was that unnerving or was that encouraging? If they thought being arrested was unnerving, then maybe being in a building that seemed it was going to fall down would be even more unnerving. But there was a, an outward and visible sign of the power of God. But that wasn't all. The building shook in Verse 31. And something happened inside each person. Each person, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit that wants to speak about Jesus, that wants to express who he is and to reveal his power and glory. Sometimes that's not what turns us on because we're affected by all sorts of other things. But maybe deep inside there's that little possibility, like the little atom magnets that can tune in To the same direction the Holy Spirit is pointing in, the direction of glorifying Jesus Christ. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, an inner experience. And then there's an outward consequence of that, an outward expression of that. They spoke the Word of God boldly, and that's what they wanted to do. They didn't want some great miracle to happen in the building to cheer them up, full stop. They didn't want to feel better about themselves full stop they didn't want to get rid of their fears full stop Though i'm sure they would have accepted any of those things they were looking for something beyond that they wanted to keep going in the work that god had given to them that's what they were focused on now you probably know that t- today is pentecost sunday and if you didn't know today is pentecost sunday and in churches uh, around the world if not all churches the vast majority their their new testament reading for today will be from acts chapter 2 which is the story of the day of pentecost let's just look together or or listen together to the first four verses of that chapter and keep in mind what we've just read about acts chapter 4. acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of pentecost came They were all together in one place. Hey, that's just like us. And that's also just like the guys in Acts chapter 4. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Now, I'm not aware of any kind of miraculous manifestation like that to us, at least today, But there was a miraculous manifestation, a a, a kind of release of power that was visible and that people could experience in Acts chapter 4. It was a similar kind of thing, not identical, but a similar sort of experience. And then there was an inner experience, remember, and that's that's there in chapter 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens in Acts chapter 4 is in many ways a parallel to what happens in Acts chapter 2. And just as there was an inner experience, there's an immediate outward expression. Because what the Holy Spirit puts in, he wants to come out. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that wasn't just for their own benefit, by the way. Good though that is, in verse 6, the people who were walking around the the, uh, city heard this sound. And they heard in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. There was an outward expression that had an impact on other people. And for those four reasons, uh, this uh, prayer that that we read in Acts chapter 4 is sometimes called the second Pentecost because it parallels the day of Pentecost in so many ways. And I think that's a great encouragement, really, to to realize that what God did on the day of Pentecost wasn't simply a one-off. course it was a unique event it was a unique historical event and the particular circumstances will never come again but the form of what happened and the meaning of what happened is what God wants I believe for his people in every generation it's the way God wants to work through the church of Jesus Christ by releasing his power through his people when they are one in spirit and one in purpose And that might produce this kind of sign or that kind of effect, and it might not, but it will always be directed to the one purpose that is constant, and that is to bear witness, to proclaim, to express the name of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he is like, what he has done, and what that means for us all. Actually, last week was, was quite difficult, really, because I, I was very, very disappointed about these magnets. Not that eight magnets is the end of the world, but it wasn't the first time that things had gone, gone wrong. It's one of a whole series of events where things have not been done quite the way that they should have been done uh, within our de- department. And I had a problem then to, to speak to the uh, others who were involved in that and find, find out you know, who'd who done what, when, and what we are gonna do different about it in the future. And I don't know about you, I find that really hard. Uh, one one particular person who has been working with us for the last uh, three three years or so she was quite close to tears as I was talking to her about the the way things need to be done differently because I knew she felt like a complete failure and and, you know we can all feel like that I I I came away feeling like a failure to be absolutely honest and thinking well were were there things that I could or should have done differently to help this person do do her job more effectively. Whose fault is it really? And just in, in preparing this talk, I just had to remind myself that in all the different circumstances of life, each of which is important in its own way, I need to put myself into a position where I can feel and express the influence of God's Holy Spirit, where I can ask the question, How can I show you, Lord Jesus, in this situation? And there may be something specific I can say to that lady in the coming week. There may not. Maybe I need to pray and think more generally about how God can use me in my job and make me a witness there. But the key thing, the question of whether I'm a failure or not, is is actually centrally to do with how I proclaim and live out the name and identity of Jesus Christ. And of course do my job well is part of that but that's not simply for my sake it's actually for his sake it's part of something bigger now as we speak one of our little magnets is uh, we hope being remagnetized and we set up a little uh, coil and power pack thing and the coil makes its own magnetic field while it's switched on while the current's switched on you leave a little magnet in the middle of the coil And hopefully when we come back on Monday, it'll be nice and strong again. And it will be gradually, the little atom magnets will be just gradually, you know, shifting around. And as one turns, it makes it easy for the next one to turn. And they'll all be pointing the same way on Monday morning and we'll have a nice, strong magnet. And it takes time for that to happen. And I believe it takes time for us, for our own lives, to be brought back into God's order and to point in His direction. And when we're together, God can do that in a special way. Just as he can reach us when we're on our own. Shall we pray? Father, we praise you because you have given to Jesus your obedient son, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, both on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, we pray that you would help us to reorder our minds and what we think and our hearts and what we yearn for and our lives and what we plan and live for so that we would put at the center your son and that everything else would take its rightful and balanced place around him.